Exploring Narkanda can be great fun. It is one of the few unpolluted, beautiful Himalayan destinations that remain. Well, the scores of them, especially in uh, Himachal Pradesh and Uttarakhand, uh, let me qualify them by saying that it is one of the few unpolluted and beautiful Himalayan destinations that are easily accessible from a pretty large city. So, hello and welcome back to India Unseen with me, Abhishek Talwar. As we continue our journey on a great road trip from Mumbai all the way into the Himalayas. Last time, I shared with you the journey from Navalgar to Narkanda and the travels that we had to go through getting there. 17 hours of driving from 4.30 in the morning till about 7.45 in the evening before we got to the freezing mountains of Narkanda. Now, perched at an altitude of about 9,500 feet above sea level, Narkanda is a different world altogether from Shimla. While Shimla is busy, overcrowded and bursting at the seams, Narkanda is serene, quiet and replete with beautiful virgin mountains and forests. Which is what we discovered when we woke the next morning to a view of endless fir and birch forests on the mountainsides, stretching away as far as the eye could see from our bedroom windows. Blanketed with a layer of snow, it couldn't have looked prettier. We were staying at the Tethi Ski Resort, which is one of the better properties in Narkanda. Our room, which was a two-bedroom unit, was situated on the second floor and it gave us a bird's-eye view of the mountainside ahead. The rooms themselves are pretty well-appointed, very comfortable bed, modern bathrooms, pretty functional furnishings. And the best part, for two rooms that given us four heaters, which also ended up being a little on the lower side for us, given the fact that we were from Mumbai and it was very, very cold. In hindsight, I think we were probably ill-equipped for the kind of weather that we'd walked into because other than the kids, neither of us really had thermals to speak of. So after a hearty breakfast, we stepped out to explore the area. Like I said, it was very cold and the resort thermometer read about 2 degrees centigrade. All bundled up, we stepped into the resort porch and the kids proclaimed that they wished to make a snowman. Given the fact that this was the first time in their lives they were seeing snow, they got me thinking, how do they know about snowmen? I guess it must be all the cartoons that they've been watching. Anyway, without so much as a buy or leave, they plonked themselves onto the snow and started shoveling it to make a snowman. I squatted next to them and for the next couple of minutes, started helping them in shoveling the snow together. In about 2-3 to three minutes, my fingers were freezing. I had to actually shove my hands in my jacket pockets to thaw my fingers out again. And that is how I went on for the next 20 minutes. Shoveling snow for a couple of minutes, thawing my fingers out for a couple of minutes and then back at it. In about 15 minutes, I had given up because I figured we've any which way piled up enough snow for the kids to make a snowman. Leaving them to it, Ritika and I decided to go exploring. A short walk to our right brought us to the rolling mountains that were visible from our bedroom window. There was a sharp winding path making its way down to the valley and inviting as it was, that's the road that we took down to head into the mountains. Thankfully, we were both wearing ankle and trekking boots and the going was fairly easy on the loosely packed snow. Now, unknown to us at that point in time, the Tatiski Resort is located a stone's throw from the road that takes you to Hadu Peak. There's a pretty easy going winding road that takes you up there and it's really very picturesque. For us, instead of taking that main road, we started trekking up towards Hadu Peak. Pretty soon, the path took a sharp incline and we made our way along it. 
the beautiful four-line path ascended to the summit and the Hatu Mata temple. This temple is just under the Hatu peak, barely a kilometer away from the resort. Still, it took us nearly about 45 minutes to ascend the 2500 feet difference in altitude. Now, depending on who you ask, this is a temple dedicated either to Mandodari or the goddess Kali or Draupadi. There seems to be a definite lack of consensus about the identity of the reigning deity here, save that she is Hatu Mata. The only thing everyone seems to agree upon is the fact that a formation of rocks near the temple that looked like a stove was used by the Pandavas for cooking during their exile. One theory is that this temple was the home of the Pandavas whilst they were ascending the Himalayas on their way to heaven, or at least on their quest to get to the heavens. Since Draupadi was in charge of the home, today it is a temple in her name. Or maybe not. I guess what matters is that the place is surrounded by a lush green virgin forest that simply takes your breath away. The quaint wooden building of the temple looks like it's from an another era altogether, which it probably is, with very strong Buddhist influences to it. We continued on our trek, wandering on a path through the jungle. For my money, the natural beauty of the mountains was the best that Narkanda could offer. From our vantage point, we could see a shepherd's home away in the distance and decided to make our way to it. As we trekked on, we came across an old woman. She was bent over under the weight of firewood as she trudged along in the same direction as we were going. I waved to her as we passed. Her wrinkled face broke into the widest smile, her eyes twinkling with mirth. I guess she was amused to see two city dwellers wandering through the mountains, which were literally her backyard. The lady was dressed in what looked like a lonchari and door, which is the traditional attire of the Gadi tribe. However, her features were more Tibetan than Pahari. That notwithstanding, she promptly raised a gnarled hand to wave back and said something while gesticulating animatedly at the same time. Seeing that we didn't understand, she said cha-cha. Thankfully, she was mimicking someone raising a cup of tea to their mouth while she said that, which ensured that we didn't mistake her invitation for chai to be an invitation to come and participate in a dance. Anyway, we were amazed that a total stranger we've come upon this mountain path is actually inviting us back home for a cup of tea. We told her that we'd perhaps take her up on the invite on our way back. She cheerfully waved us on and we went our way. In about 15 minutes, we passed the house that we'd seen from afar. There were a couple of kids playing out front. We were the only people out here and it was blissfully quiet. The sun had melted the snow in several paces and the path was lush green under all that snow. After trekking for about an hour or so, we turned back to return the same way that we'd come from. Soon enough, we were back at the same house. The old lady was now perched comfortably on a stool outside the place, evidently her home. A load of fire would lay in one corner, and seeing us, she immediately renewed her offer for tea. Not having the heart to refuse or sound rude, we asked her for a glass of water instead, which was immediately provided. As we sipped on the refreshing beverage, three kids looked at us shyly, but with unconcealed curiosity. It emerged that they were her grandchildren. Now, despite our best efforts, we couldn't quite decipher what she answered when we asked about their parents, but I assume they were probably out at work. Done with the much-needed hydration, we offered the kids some money. Bad idea, because the old lady seemed reasonably offended with this, and she was only pacified when we explained 
that since we were visiting a home for the first time and hadn't any gifts for the children, this money was only a poor substitute for that. This seemed to satisfy her, and with her trademark mischievous smile firmly planted back on her lips, we continued our way back to the Tethys ski resort. As we trudged up the pathway to the main building, we found that the children were still engrossed in building the snowman, or a Stone Age inspired snow art. Of course, I use the word art with a fair amount of poetic license. We've been gone for nearly two and a half hours, and these kids were still plodding away with their hands in the snow. BB informed us that they'd been added without a break, and since they didn't seem any the worse for it, she hadn't stopped them. The children's resilience to withstand cold to this degree was astounding, and over the next four days, we got several indications of this. Post lunch, we headed off for a nap, except that inside the room was freezing. Now, walking through the mountains, since we were continuously moving, we didn't realize how cold it was. But once we'd gotten back indoors out of the sun, it was freezing cold. And much to the hotel staff's amusement, we put on all the heaters in the room, put on as many layers of clothing as we could and snuggled in for a much needed siesta. Now that day being Christmas Eve, the resort had arranged a barbecue out on the terrace for dinner. Other than us, there were two other groups staying at the Tethys. One was a family from Delhi and the other a group of four middle-aged gents from Ludhiana. Now, the evening started with everyone gathered around the massive bonfire. The Delhi and Ludhiana gang seemed inured to the cold. As for us, we tried to stay as close to the fire as possible without getting burned. Now the resort thermometer read a merry minus 5 degrees centigrade and every tiny gust of breeze reminded us of it. We totally loved the weather. It was the best part of visiting Narkanda in the peak of winter. The Ludhiana gents were all businessmen, hosiery traders obviously, friends since school and they'd come here to get away from their wives for two nights. It was more like a kaka who the hell wants to spend Christmas with their wives. Till then, I thought the Patiala was the largest peg that one can officially make. Evidently, I was wrong. You also have the Ludhiana. Without their wives to frown at their every move, the Ludhianvis knocked off two bottles of whiskey between themselves before the hour was out. The Delhi family, a Mrs. and Mr. Jain, had driven down to Narkanda much against the wishes of the family. Coincidentally, also in a Skoda Yeti. You are the people who've come here in the Bombay registered Yeti, he asked us incredulously and then proceeded to tell us how he had to convince his dad, mom and elder brother to allow him to drive from Delhi to Narkanda. Considering he was here with a 16-year-old son, that same son. The fact that we'd driven all the way from Mumbai confirmed his suspicion that the world was full of crazies, as he liked to call them. And he was tickled pink over the stories that he would go back home and narrate about the crazies whom he met in Narkanda. With the eyes broken, we all had a few drinks together, bonding like long-lost friends. At some point, he decided that Hegemeister was the order of the day and dispatched his son to bring the bottle down from his room. We wished each other happy hunting as we downed shots of the fiery yet immensely pleasant liqueur and made promises of looking each other up whenever we were in Mumbai or Delhi. In the midst of all this, we heard a loud squeal from behind. Now, while the Jain family and we were bonding, the four gents from Ludhiana had procured a quintessential Bluetooth speaker and were belting out Punjabi pop numbers on it. They were dancing amongst themselves and getting the best out of the trip to Narkanda, all in good fun. Typically, 
our road trips are spent listening to Pink Floyd, Aerosmith, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy Osbourne, The Doors, U2, etc. Because I'm a firm believer that you can never start your children's education too early. Having said that, Aditya's favorite all-time song is Dinka Chika from the Salman Khan film. Obviously, the foot-stomping Bollywood numbers are more to his liking. So naturally, when he heard this Punjabi pop being belted out one hit after another, his heart went yo-yo melting like honey and he wanted to sing along. Without any one of us realizing it, he joined the Ludhiana gang in doing Bhangra to the foot-tapping music. Or at least his version of Bhangra. Basically, it involved flinging his arms up in the air while jumping as high as he could. Dances just like his father, this kid. The loud squeal was him getting all excited at a particularly peppy track where this bloke kept telling some woman that she was hot like a joint or gets hot with a joint or something equally inappropriate, which little Aditya found extremely appealing. The Lidhyanvis seemed to be enjoying this thoroughly and couldn't stop congratulating us on what a fantastical kid he was. So, we all ended up shaking a leg till the VRs, or at least till the alcohol ran out. All in all, a great time was had by all. And I can't remember a Christmas party that has been more fun than this one. We wound up pretty late that evening, but all charged up for what the next morning was to bring. So our next couple of days were slated to of course continue exploring Narkanda. From a typical tourist point of view, there's very little to see. There's obviously the Hatumata temple that we'd already seen. There is the Tanijubar Lake, and that's where your list actually ends. But for Ritika and I, we couldn't have found a better place. Because once you leave aside the touristy things to do, it is one of those destinations where you can just lose yourself in nature. Absolutely spectacular walking trails. And if you're interested in something more challenging, you can always trek up or down the mountainsides, go down into a valley, climb back up to your property. There's no dearth of stuff that one can do. The next morning, we decided that we'd go and explore the skiing opportunities that Narkanda offered. So we hopped into the Yeti, drove down the treacherous road from the Tethi Ski Resort onto the main highway, and in about five minutes, we're in Narkanda town, where there is a light undulating slope on which the locals offer skiing lessons. In no time, for the princely sum of 500 rupees each, we were all kitted in with ski boots and with skis, and instructors walking us through the rudiments of skiing. I took about 10 minutes to get the hang of it, uh, at least to get the hang of not falling while I was sliding down the slope. I think Ritika took about 25 or 30 minutes to get her limbs all coordinated. Astonishingly, Aditya just got onto the skis and was skiing with nary a care in the world. I guess it probably had something to do with his lower center of gravity or the fact that some kids just are uh, naturally endowed with heightened motor skills but whatever the reason. He was skiing like a pro in no time at all. As for Avantika, she was the first one to insist on wearing a white colored boot with shiny gray colored skis, a pink colored parka. She, I think, also borrowed Ritika's pink colored sunglasses and immediately asked Bibi to start clicking her pictures against the snowy background. As far as skiing is concerned, she would have none of it. I guess where she was coming from, whether you'd skied or not, so long as you got yourself photographed in the right equipment, everyone back home would believe that you had a great time. Once a photo shoot was done, she perched herself on the bench, had a couple of rounds of nice hot Maggie and watched us trudging all the way up to the top of the slope and skiing back down. After about an hour of doing this, we were all absolutely exhausted and delirious with joy 
and decided to head back for a spot of lunch. As we were walking back from the ski slope, two boys, I think they must be aged not more than 11 or 12, one of them called Mahesh and the other whose name for the life of me I can't remember, offered to take the kids on a sled ride. Well, when I say take them on a sled ride, what they really did offer was that Aditya and Avantika could perch themselves on the sled that these kids were dragging along and they would pull them all the way up to the parking lot, giving them a joyride. Obviously, before I could say a yes or a no, both the kids hopped onto the sled and looking at the beseeching eyes that Mahesh and his friend gave me, Ritika and I agreed to join in for this joyride. While walking back, I started chatting with these boys. It turns out one of their fathers runs a Dhaba in Narkanda town whereas the other guy's dad runs a general store. Both these kids study at a boarding school in Shimla and they were here for their Christmas vacations. But what was most interesting was that both these young tykes were actually offering kids joy rides so that they could earn pocket money. And all of this money would then be invested in buying better quality skiing equipment because their aspirations were to represent India at the Winter Olympics. How cool is that? I mean, a 12-year-old having this ambition to represent his country in the Olympics and not just having it as an idle dream, but willing to work for it. We were totally flawed by this sheer chutzpah that both these boys displayed and happily contributed a humble share towards their dream of procuring the best ski equipment. You know, this trip was about seven years back. Today, these kids probably must be 18 or 19. And I don't know how far they've come along in realizing their dream. But each time I think back on this incident, my best wishes go out to them. Mahesh and your friend, wherever you are, if you're listening into this, all the best from all of us. And even if you don't end up representing India at the Olympics or the Winter Olympics, remember, it's your spirit that counts. The next couple of days were spent doing pretty much the same thing inside out. And believe you me, there was not a single dull moment. Evenings would typically be spent playing chess or Scrabble or something along the same lines, uh, sipping a drink and waiting for dinner to be served, whereas we spent our days either skiing or hiking somewhere in the mountains with or without the kids. As far as the children were concerned, there was enough snow to keep them happy and engaged. After a blissful five days, we finally headed out from Narkanda for our next destination, which in this case was the Nimrana Fort Palace in Rajasthan. So thank you so much for joining in on this edition of India Unseen with me, Abhishek Talwar. I'll see you in the next episode as we explore the Nimrana Fort Palace and other destinations in Rajasthan on our way back home. Meanwhile, be good, drive safe. And if you've liked this particular podcast, do share it with your friends and remember to subscribe to us. Goodbye and take care. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.